Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the You Mad Bro podcast, and I warn you of mature content ahead. This show aims to tackle controversial topics going on in the world on a week-to-week basis. The platform of this program is opinionated and occasionally supported by examples and facts, but does not ever aim to be definite. That being said, the views offered by our hosts and guests are not intended to offend or hurt the feelings of any person, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, political viewpoint, etc., They only serve as catalysts for poor attempts at humor and maybe a different way of thinking. If you're such an individual that is easily offended or cannot handle your own viewpoints being challenged, you've been adequately warned to not participate. If you're still with us, then please stand, kneel, or lay down. Just be sure to remove your ball caps for the national anthem. What? You mad, bro? In two weeks, we took last week off for Thanksgiving and because technical issues, but don't tell anyone that. Um, this is the You Mad Bro podcast. We are back. I hope everyone had a uh, healthy and happy Thanksgiving. You had more than 10 people. Are you either a true American or an asshole? It depends who you ask. If you ask me, I think you're a true American. Um, but we are back one more week talking about other stuff. But we are joined by another guest. We are joined by Austin from the Seriously Political podcast. So, Austin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, please tell the people a little bit about yourself, about your podcast, and what brings you here. This thing on? Yeah, lo- loud and yeah, clear. Good. Can you guys hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Hello? All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> I had you guys going for a second. You did. Uh... <laughs> All right. About me, I am um, a very serious person. I don't like jokes. Um, that's it. We're going to get along so well. <laughs> yeah, right? Ser- I'll go serious. I'll go serious now. Uh, my name's Austin, and I'm the host of Seriously Political Podcast, which I hope we'll talk about a little bit later so you guys can go listen to us or send me money. You can just do that. It's fine. I'll yeah, do, do, do your plugs, too. Let us know what, where we can find you, the show. I'm assuming it's on iTunes and all that, but do your plugs. Tell us who you are, what your show's about, and what you do. Yeah, all right. So, like I said, I'm Austin, and my podcast is Seriously Political, which I do with... Uh, uh, friend Nathaniel um, and you can find us uh, on pretty much any podcasting platform that you uh, you want to use as far as I know we're on everything I haven't found one that we're not on so uh, that's great we do prefer that you go to our website which is seriouslypolitical.politics.blog and listen directly through there um, just because we're greedy and we want more money so if you that helps out a lot we also have a blog on there and um, a little bit about each of us so not a whole lot, but it's just a little place to go and, um, you know, hang out with us. Um, our podcast is very based around um, politics, uh, which you can, I'm sure you can guess from the name, Seriously Political. <laughs> um, we're very original with our naming, but we got that. And the kind of the, the, the main thing about our podcast, the main like portion of our podcast that is, that makes us what we are is that me and Nathaniel are both Christians. And because of that, we take the, the politics that we're talking about, you know, whether it's big tech censorship, which is one of our most popular episodes, or um, uh, pretty much anything like the coronavirus. We take that and we discuss how it affects our faith individually. Um, but of course, not everybody has the same beliefs as we do. And so if you don't have the same beliefs as we, uh, we do, I just want to say that you're wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So is is there an is there a specific episode? I'm I'm curious. Cause I I actually want to listen to it. Is there a specific episode where you guys talked about like certain states mandating that churches be closed? 
uh, our church is essential. That episode, our church is I'm essential. Not sure, yeah, I'm not I'll, sure what um, number it was because we don't number our episodes; we just have names. But I'll I'll find it because I'm a little back and forth. Um, where I currently land is that churches should be open because it's a First Amendment right. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll get to listen to that. And guys, please check these guys out. They're very similar to us, but it is a different seasoning. Um, which is very, which is very exciting. Which same, same with like the Younger Half podcast. It's different seasoning. We're much sweeter. Yeah. We're not rated explicit. On the <laughs> yeah, we, are, we are very explicit. Love it. Okay. Not, not when the kids were on. Not when the kids were on. I was, I was nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't drinking and I wasn't swearing. So there's two things I can put under my belt. But this uh-huh. week we are talking about more politics and unemployment fraud, which I think is is terribly hilarious. But the transition of power is finally happening. Um. Trump still isn't conceded, but the transition of power is going to start, which is a central part of the political process. So last Monday, the head of the General Services Administration, Emily Murphy, admitted that Democrat Joe Biden is, quote, the apparent president-elect, which that's the best we're going to get. Um, while this while this much uh, while this uh, this is worded terribly, while this much focus isn't usually placed on the GSA administrator, Murphy had previously refused to allow Biden's transition team to access valuable resources ahead of his inauguration. To note, GSA transition approval does not certify Biden as the winner of the 2020 presidential election. So Nash, can you give us a little bit of background on how important like the lame duck period is for the president and how important the transition of power is for the incumbent? Well, just specifically in this case, the big important thing to note is that it's not just like, okay, yeah, you can put all your stuff on your desk in the office. It's like they actually get money to like hire staff and start implementing like their actual office. I think they get like around $6 million right now they have for the transition process. Um, But it's pretty important. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this, and I'm sure we're going to get into it a lot more later down the line. Just because it's very, for me personally, I, I really don't know what to think about this election at the moment. I'm, I'm skeptical. I, I'm slightly skeptical, I'll say. See, I'm usually the skeptical one. I'm the one who's pretty positive here. I think like that Biden's going to be the next president one way or the other. There's no way. I don't think there's any logical way of getting around it unless Trump literally stages a coup and it works. That's not impossible. But I, I think it's highly, highly unlikely. Now, also, I'm curious— Listen, your overall uh, opinion on the election. Do you think um, there was enough fraud? I think we can all agree there was fraud. Every election is going to be fraud. But do you think there's enough fraud to overturn the election? So I, I, like you said, yeah, there's definitely something awkward, something weird, something fishy going on here. You don't wake up in the morning, you know, two hours after they said no more votes will be counted and boom, you know, three states have flipped to Biden. That's what happened for us. Woke up the next morning and it's like, Okay, that's 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 a that's a little weird, and there's not really any excuse you can have for that. So yeah, for sure, there's something weird going on. But there's two questions that you're asking me in that one question. You're asking, is there enough fraud, and if there is, will they be able to find it? And that's kind of the weird situation because I have a feeling that there's enough fraud to overturn the election. Yes, but I don't think they'll be able to find it. And kind of going off of my second answer there. I think there's a lot of fraud on the right too. So kind of it all kind of balances each other out and there's not really a stance you can take because I'm not in any situation or any uh, position right now to be looking to see what's exactly going on. I'm just sitting here watching, you know, 
uh, Fox, CNN, and NBC, and all those places talking about this, and they're you know definitely biased. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole so the I, whole I pretty count- much did not answer that question. No, that's that actually is it is a good answer. Like there, there is enough fraud. I would push back. I don't think there is like even if he won Michigan, even if he overturned Georgia, like all he needed was Nevada. I think. I, I could go back to the map and redo the math, but I, I even if Trump was right on all of his cases, I I still don't think it's enough. Um, but the whole well, the one whole thing I do want to throw out there. One thing I want to throw out there real quick is that the fact that we're sitting here talking about two like world powers between Biden and Trump right now taking over a throw and that kind of stuff. There, there's not this big civil war right now. I think is a really good testament for America. Any other country, almost any other country, this would result in some crazy war. Think about, you know, uh, like if this is to happen in Korea, um, North Korea. Imagine what would be going on right now. And yet we're at America. We're here talking about it on a podcast for, you know, your millions of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Billions. No, no, that that is that is a good point. And that's why we put out a video yeah. on our YouTube, you met podcast, where um a few weeks ago we shameless talked shameless plug. Shameless plug. I'm really good at them. We talked about how there aren't any Trump riots. Like the the Trump's base, they aren't rioting. They had a protest. Yes. They had their million MAGA march um that turned violent in the evening. Now, we can talk about that, but that's kind of getting off course of the actual story. But in terms of actual violence that we've seen from the BLM or from other people on the left, it's just not there. So yeah, I no think— No question. It's not the same as what we had during the, the race riots or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and if it was the other way around, there I, I can't say it's for sure, but I have a strong feeling there would have been violence, burning, looting, and all that bullshit. But So I think I think you make a very good point that— you know, people like to say our democracy is failing. He's trying to overthrow our democracy. No, I think our democracy is working. The courts yeah. are doing their thing. It's working. Like I've said it from the beginning. If you think there's serious fraud, investigate it. Spend all the money you want. It's within your legal right. I don't think it's going to make a difference, but you have the right to do it. Yeah, Trump has every right to do what he's doing right now, and people who say he doesn't just don't understand the Constitution. But the point is, if he can't get his if he can't get whatever victory it is that he's looking for um, before what was the day January uh, December third December fourth no. is when the ballots it is when the uh, December eighth yeah, excuse me is when December eighth is when all the elections need to be certified and December fourteenth is when the electorate votes yeah so if he can't get anything by then yeah for sure he can keep fighting but there's really not much he can do besides just step back and let. Yeah. Joe Biden take over. So is he a dick for not conceding? Yeah, he's a dick for not conceding. But it's within his right. Um, but at the same time, you have to – I think you have to have the transition go through assuming that Biden is the president because so many important things depend on it. And that's where we are now where the transition is starting to happen. So that goes back to the GSA, which is what this Miss Murphy is from. Uh, the GSA is an independent branch of the government that has the power to direct the flow of transa- uh, transition resources to the incoming president. Murphy's letter now gives Biden several notable resources, including access to millions in federal funds. He and his transition team are also now able to begin holding meetings with the government agencies to discuss policy changes ahead of his inauguration in January. Now, even if Trump is fighting it, these meetings still need to happen. It's very, very important that these things happen. And if it it's somehow a miracle happens and Trump's still the president, there's no harm in having these meetings and this transition happening other than the money. Nash, am I wrong there? Uh, whose money? 
uh, the 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 money that Biden gets for the for for the transition. Yeah, that, that'd pretty much be it. I mean, there would definitely be time lost. Um, but since politicians don't really care too much about our time now, do they? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> just to go back to the earlier thing um, that you said, Austin, because I think that is a very incredible point that Trump 100% does have a right to challenge it. And they, and they are presenting evidence um, to courts to challenge it. And I th- that, this is where my issue of being skeptical comes into play because – they say evidence and I don't know what that evidence is. I have to wait for them to present it, you know? And so if that evidence is actually detrimental to how the election was ran for Joe Biden, then yeah, it definitely could sway it. I think. And I I definitely do think that a bit of election tampering goes on both sides. I mean, you can't really say that Trump trying to get rid of the post office was purely for the nation's best interest (laughs) (laughs) i think that'd be a harder argument to make but yeah this isn't a violent revolt this isn't chaos in the streets this is okay the vote was in we're doing it according to how it's going so far while he challenges it in court and there isn't bloodshed do you guys know what the babylon bee is i do not so it's a christian right-wing conservative satire news site and they're so hilarious. They write all sorts of crazy stuff. But one thing they wrote about this election is they said, um, after election results, Trump supporters take to the streets to go to work like always. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is pretty good. It's like it's like the onion. Um, exactly. It is the onion. It's just the other side. Love it. I think it's fin- I think it's phenomenal. I'm glad that exists. All right. So a big thing in this transition team. Um, is that several leading medical groups have urged President Trump to share vital COVID-19 data with Biden, a move that could, quote, save countless lives. And I think, excuse me, that is the most important thing here with this transition. If Biden is the president, I'm saying that's, a, I'm saying that's an if, as almost 95% guaranteed, but he needs to know what's going on with COVID. He needs to know the plan and come up with his own plan to combat COVID. And the fact that he's not, as of um, at least now, I guess he is now. But at the fact that he wasn't until last week is a big issue. Um, now there's also big controversy of Murphy being accused of influence by the White House, which she has denied. As far as why Murphy took so long to sign this letter, according to the Washington Post, uh, those close to her said she wanted more certainty before making the call, which I can understand. But it's like, how much more do you really need? Um, I can understand it to the to that to probably the point of you know um, the last couple of weeks. We're recording this on the thirtieth, so probably um, you know the week before Thanksgiving. I could understand because there's still so much uncertainty going on, and I still had a lot of help um, hope. I still kind of do, but I still had a lot of hope back then that Trump would be able to turn it around. And if I was in her situation, I biased or not i still probably wouldn't have turned it over quite yet but i think she might be at the point now she's like i need to get this thing started because you know if uh trump ends up not winning biden's got to be prepared and it's not like this information they're giving biden's go to like it's not like national seekers that he's gonna go blab around or something like that yeah she was essentially waiting for the battleground saints to certify and once they did she's like okay now's the time um which yeah which is understandable Again, there there are some side effects to that action, but I can't say I don't understand where she's coming from. Yeah. 
I think it's better to be to be as sure as you can before you do something like that. Yeah. Last Monday the 23rd, uh, Michigan certified. Last Tuesday the 24th, both Pennsylvania and Nevada both certified. Uh, since then, I think Wisconsin certified today and Georgia certified last week as well. So in all, in all those cases, Biden was officially declared the winner. So now it's just like, okay, there's nothing else I can wait for. That's time to do it. Um, and only recently, multiple major Republicans who support Trump started to break with the president and admit that it's time for him to concede for the benefit of the country. Now, I would agree with that. It is time for Trump to concede. He still does have time. He has until the, December 8th. Well, honestly, he doesn't have to concede anyway. It doesn't really change anything. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Conceding is just like it's like a it's like a a, a moment of gratitude. It's like it's a formality. A, it's a formality, exactly. It's tradition, if you will. Like him conceding doesn't make any difference to who the next president is. It's just unprecedented that he's not conceding yet. Like Hillary Clinton conceded the next day, and every president there before her has conceded, or the loser has conceded the night of or the day after the election. Yeah, I seriously doubt Trump will concede at all because no. he's he does not consider himself a loser at all. So do why would he admit to losing? Do you think he'll get dragged out in handcuffs? No, no, not <laughs> at all. I don't either. I don't either. As much as I want Trump, to, Trump is so built upon like his base and his entire like political career the last you know five years, I guess it was so built upon the Constitution and how important it is to protect that he's not going to turn turn on it, especially when he might end up running in the next election or have one of his uh, – somebody that he supports run in the next election. Yeah, either him or his son. Um, yeah. the, the big thing to note here too is that he really needs it <clears throat> to almost get to the Supreme Court for it to be a big enough – like all of his legal battles, he needs like one of them to get to the Supreme Court for it to be sort of a big enough deal to overturn as much as he wants to at this point. <laughs> Which Honestly, Court- I'm surprised the Supreme Court hasn't taken it already. I'm not, I'm, I'm not too surprised because, yes, he did sort of – he put a lot of people on the Supreme Court. But I think historically – I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure voting rights and stuff like that is the thing that the Supreme Court has touched the least. They tried, Yeah, because that's a very hard line to take a stance on in that high of a court. Yeah, and you know exactly who to blame if <laughs> if you don't like what they have to say about it. So. I, I, I believe Nash said uh, a few weeks ago, or he said to me off air, you really want the government telling states how to, how they can vote and how they can't vote, and to, which I had no answer to that. It's like, yeah, yeah it, it, it might make more sense to have a federal mandate on how states vote, but it goes against states' rights. And I can't argue that. A state mm-hmm. should be able to vote how they want to vote. Like we talked about how some states don't allow mail-in voting until after the in-person votes and some are vice versa. Each state's different, and each state has that right, and I defend that right. Mm-hmm. It just adds a lot of confusion. Yeah. It does, but the government system is supposed to be confusing. It's supposed to be— Hey, don't get me wrong. If the government can just you know, not do anything, that'd be really nice. If we can have a president who only goes golf and never does anything else, that'd actually be pretty decent. You know, I completely agree with you. If they only Just leave us alone. If they only golfed and did foreign policy, it's exactly what he what he or she is supposed to do. Honestly, I want to see somebody try to run under that platform. Say, I won't mess with this place at all. I'm just gonna. I just want the golf money. Unfortunately, the last guy to do that was Herbert Hoover, and uh, <laughs> that wasn't his platform, though. Matter of circumstance in his case, I suppose, but. <laughs> 
So we did we did touch upon Trump not conceding yet. Again, dick thing to do, but it's wealth and is right, and it really doesn't mean anything. People making a big deal about it because it's newsworthy and it's clicks and it's money. So fine, we can move on from that. But so, uh, go ahead, Nash. Before we move on, you jackass. Um, I was talking to somebody today, um, and they were talking to they were telling me how they're. I think it was they said Venezuela. I'm not sure what it's called or too much about this. I clearly haven't done research about it. It happened about 20 minutes before we were recording. But they're saying about how in their government, they have a fourth, they, their government's very similar to ours um, as far as the branches go, but they have a fourth branch. And they're only elected in once every seven years. And essentially, all of all those elected, all they do is audit the current government to make sure that the politicians are doing their job, to make sure that they're not just getting checks for doing nothing. Oh, that was a pretty interesting concept. I'd still rather them just not do anything. Just have, <laughs> have everybody Washington DC go, I don't know, fishing or something just for a couple of years. I would rather have the president do as little as possible, certainly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Congress Congress needs to do their most work because they're the workhorses of the government. These are supposed to be. They're supposed to be the most important. The House and the Senate are supposed to be the most important branch of government. And unfortunately it isn't. All right. So while all this has been happening, Biden has been picking his cabinet members. Now, Austin, I'm curious to see your uh, perception on on Joe Biden as a as a politician. What you think his potential presidency would look like? What are your thoughts on Joe Biden? Uh, I don't don't like him. <laughs> just put it straight. I I just don't. Um, number one, this has really nothing really to do with why you would vote for him, but he's just plain boring and. You know, you see all the videos of him not be able to talk and all that kind of stuff, which is definitely blowing all the water, but is also true. It's both. Um, but I think his economic and policies and stuff like that are just are just trash. Some of them could literally destroy this country if they get in place, which I don't think they will. I think a lot of politicians will see through them. Which which um, one specifically? I'm curious. A lot of the the and I know I'm gonna get some flack for this, but a lot of the um. The police reforms, a mm-hmm. lot of the socialism, you know, like we need to, like, uh, what's her name? AOC said we need to pay um, people to stay at home and just stupid stuff like that. That is obviously not totally thought through with somebody that can do two plus two. It's just so dumb. And just some of the, a lot of the stuff that he has whispering in his ear right now is really worrisome. The guy himself, I don't know, he seems nice enough. It's like, I don't know, I'll drink coffee with him. I go golfing with him or something, but. I, do I want him as my president? No, not at all. And part of it is his whole, um, I said earlier with the police stuff, his whole like idea on race and stuff like that. The fact that he picked Kamala Harris just because he said he wanted to pick a woman, it's like, no, pick the best person for the job. Yeah. Don't just pick somebody because of who they are, because that's sexist in itself. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, yeah, especially people who have like, actually worked their whole lives to do that type of thing. You know, if you're outlining them when if they're better qualified for the job, then that's that's really a disservice nationally. Yeah, I feel like Biden's more of the prove a point candidate than anything. Like he always says, what's his things? He always tweets. It's always like, um, you know, we're we're together and unified or whatever. But it's like, yeah, would you be tweeting that if Trump won? I don't <laughs> think so. No, no, not a goddamn chance. Um, now, I will agree with you on the defund the police standpoint. 
Now, he does not support defunding the police. Not many Democrats actually do. Um, yeah, they they want more social services, which is just dumb. You don't somebody who wants to go around and wants to take drugs or kill people isn't going to be helped by sitting in a or laying on a couch and you know how was your day? It just it's not going to help. I, I will say because I think it is important to note on both sides, a lot of politicians sat there and did nothing when people were saying defund the police until they realized that defunding the police led to higher crime across the board for everyone yeah <laughs> and, and so I, I think that's just important to note that while they while some people may not have said it a lot of people let it happen yeah for sure because so, because you know if somebody was to say no 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 let's keep the police the funding the same then that could so easily be twisted into you know when one cop shoots a black person whether it's justified or not which is interesting because here's a shameless plug for me we're actually releasing a four episode series about that called unjustified shooting with the un in parentheses so it's like parentheses unjustified shootings where we talk about jacob blake brianna taylor um uh george floyd and we're also going to talk about kyle rittenhouse but anyway uh that's my plug anyway okay. uh going on past that um all those like if somebody was to say, no, let's keep the police, let's keep um, funding the police and stuff, and one of those shootings happens, and all of a sudden, all the commercials would be, he supported the killing of this black man and that kind of stuff. You can so easily twist that kind of stuff. Yeah. So as we go on talking about Biden's cabinet, I don't know if you're going to become a more supporter or you're going to hate him more, Austin. So this is going to be interesting because all those policies that AOC supports, Biden doesn't support. He just He doesn't. Um, no matter what you hear, because you can see it when his cabinet picks. So when it comes to Medicare for All, he doesn't support that. Green New Deal doesn't support that. Uh, defunding the police doesn't support that. Because um, he picked uh, Anthony, Anthony Blinken, who is a former deputy secretary of state under Obama. Um, he's ex he is expected to help the U.S. rejoin the major global agreements or organizations as the Paris Climate Accord, which we will talk about. Oh, no, not the, that. The Iran nuclear deal and the World Health Organization. So let's start with the Paris Accord because, Nash, you, would, you, me, and your brother Nathan talked about this a lot, what the actual Paris Climate Accord actually is and how it's kind of – like I'm on – I'm probably an outlier here as well where I don't think we should be in – the climate accord because it's not a good deal. I agree with you 100%. It, is, it isn't. It, pun it punishes the people that actually abide by it, which for everybody listening, the reality is the United States is probably the only country that actually abides by it the most uh, to just be genuine about it. The biggest example is probably um, the it was Mercedes, BMW, and Volkswagen. Um, they were manufacturing cars a very long time ago, specifically designed to beat the European emissions tests. And they would strategically put plants and, t and near testing facilities that they know either, one, they'd be able to cheat, or two, they could bribe. The only reason that it was discovered that that was actually the case is because they had them tested the, in the United States. They using our emissions test found that, yeah, these cars are just using programming in the computers to run a, the car a certain way while they're being tested so that they don't give off the emissions that there are genuine when you're actually using it on the road. So things like this, 
uh, I can see why people are like, oh, yeah, it's better for the environment. And that's fine, but it, it's actually really not. It's like defunding the police. Anytime somebody tells me defund a government thing, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's at least analyze where the money's going and see where it can be better used. But that really isn't the case here. It's just a matter of we want to pat each other on the back as we fly in our private jets to talk about the environment. And it, <laughs> it doesn't add any sort of goal when China and India, who are the largest polluters by far, don't even care about it. Yeah. And another thing is, you can fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure each country uh, pretty much con uh, contributes as much as they want in terms of funding. So to me, that just means America is going to front the bill. Yeah, it's because it's, it's become so much of a political topic here that um, they found boundaries to draw lines on. So you have a lot of people on the left and a lot more in the center than you would think actually are like, yeah, let's save the environment. And so that this has become like the pushing ground, you know, Paris Climate Accord. Trump doesn't like it, so he took us out because he wants to destroy the economy. And that's kind of the rhetoric. So that's why there's so much support for that. Yeah. And it's it's global warming. So I would support the Paris Climate Agreement if it put restrictions and it was forced on China and India. Because like Nash said, that those are the two biggest things. If they're not involved and you can't do anything against them, it's completely pointless. Yeah, no, I'm super, super libertarian, so I don't think that we should be involved in anything like this at all. All it does is give them a much larger economic um, and industrial advantage over us. Yeah. Uh, Iran nuclear deal, I honestly know nothing about it. I don't think I'm, I'm not qualified to talk on any of this, really. But specifically, the Iran nuclear deal, I don't know enough about it to talk about it. But the World Health Organization, that's probably something we can stay in. It's something that I'm willing to concede staying in. But again, I'd rather America just be America. And, you know, the whole World Health Organization, especially this whole COVID thing, they just sometimes I feel like they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up COVID, Austin, because in the time of this pandemic, right, no matter where you are in the country, whether it's lockdowns or it's open, there's a big part of the country that cannot go to work. The government just won't let them. And if you really want to do that for public safety, that's fine. But you need to have stimulus. you got to give a UBI, which is a radical left idea, I'll grant you. But in my opinion, you have to have that if you're not forcing people to go to work. If they can't go to work, they can't get health care. Actually, go ahead. So I actually fully disagree with that because it's the government just needs to stay out of our personal lives and work lives and any life except for when they come to collect the taxes that we owe them. And that's pretty much it. The less the government can be involved, the better, especially when it comes to something as important as work. When you start giving people money for not working, what's the point of going back? What's the point of you, you know, making? I don't know. Will, Will, what's the um, the UBI that they're suggesting, the basic income? Like, is it 600? Uh, well, Andrew, uh, Andrew, like Andrew Yang would suggest 1000 a month. That's literally like $200 less than I make. So I could literally just sit at home making $1,000 and, you know, I don't know, twiddle my thumbs or something. See, but and I would survive as long as I could find out, enough house. There was the last thing. Um, I had the same idea. Um, but... What I came to understand from Andrew Yang's policy was that it would largely cut most all other government services. Yeah, that's one thing I did like about Yang. 
But again, it goes back to the less the government gets involved, the better. We see it now with COVID. The government's gotten so involved with everything we do that they've started taking away some of our very basic rights. And that's yeah. kind of why we started our serious political podcast. But, but that reason. if you're going to take those away, you have to give them something to survive. There is food lines in Texas, thousands of cars long, 30 million people about to go uh, be evicted. You know, uh, employment, unemployment is staggering. So if the government's going to, I, so I, 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 I would agree with you, Austin, that the government it should either let them open and take the risk but if they're not going to do that, you have to give them stimulus and you have to give them health care. Yeah. So here's the thing. For the first, you know, when we first had the shutdown, when literally everything shut down for, what was it, like two weeks or something like that, when like nothing was open. When that happened, yeah, sure, the government should, you know, send everybody a little something just to make sure to get through it. But at the same time, and I'm, let's just exclude, let's say the government only shut down everything for two weeks, right? Which they didn't. Let's say they only shut down for two weeks and everything's able to open back up. I'm sorry, but if you can't make it two weeks without a paycheck, then you really have a budgeting problem in your hand. Most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And that's their fault. I'm 20 years old paying off college with no debt and have a lot saved up enough to buy a car when I graduate. Like, it's not hard. And I'm not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Born with a, I don't know, plastic one. Well, let me... sort of, I, if I if I may, because I'm seeing both of your points. Because um, it's Austin, you're seeing sort of like if the government isn't involved, they don't need to come solve the problem because the problem doesn't need to be solved. I'll work out my own solution. For yeah, it. definitely. In a way, yeah. Which is pretty. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm done. That's what America's built on. Yeah, and Americans. And, and, you're saying, and you're saying, well, the government is creating a problem because of how they're handling this, so they should do as much as they can to minimize it. Because they're not getting rid of that mentality. Yeah. Under normal circumstances, Austin, I 100% agree with you on everything. But in, in, under this pandemic where the government is saying it's not safe to go to work, you can't just leave people out to dry then. You can't have it both yeah, ways. I mean, I see your point too. But also, how long does this go? If you start doing that, then you have people come so reliant on the government. And the government could use this COVID, and I think they already have, but use it to keep keep pushing into our rights. I mean, you can... There's, yes, I don't know how people can look around and say they haven't. I just don't yeah. get it. No, they have. There's no question. They definitely have. Yeah, and that, that's, that's an issue, and that's something that needs balance. Yeah. But now, sure. here is one thing I want to say about Trump. I'm going to kind of jump to Trump real quick. I will say one reason I really supported him um, throughout this, this COVID stuff is because he had probably the best opportunity to take the most, um, take the most power like that any president ever has except maybe during the Great Depression stuff. He could have taken so much mm -hmm. power from everybody. He just didn't. He let the states do yep. it. The states right now are what's running everything. Yep. He could have. I, I think that was really good of him. Not only that, he could have taken that power. He could have become the oligarch the left thinks he is. And not only did he not do it, the left was saying he should have done it. Yeah, and that's what's so crazy. That's what's fucking crazy. <laughs> that is what. That is a, a pretty mind-boggling thing that to consider it's absolutely crazy but austin we, we could honestly go back and forth with this all night about what the government should or shouldn't do the problem <laughs> is joe if joe biden's the president he's not going to do any of those things because in his cabinet he put in um back to back to anthony blinken he is a liberal war hawk now this is all this information is coming from jimmy Dore, the jimmy Dore show on youtube uh, youtube um so his his background 
He supported the 2011 war that that destroyed Libya and unleashed the slave markets. He defended Israel's massacres in Gaza. He started the war in Yemen, and he armed al-Qaeda. So this guy is a pro-war pundit. Um, So he's a stand-up citizen. Oh, totally. So, like, here's my thing of, like, actually, here's my conundrum I've had the past week or two. Who are the true Democrats? Now, you have the leadership, like Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and all that, who are pro-war. They really don't support everything the AOC and the squad supports, but the people want those things. So, one of you aren't real Democrats. And I'm going back and forth, and I'm starting to think it's the people. So if someone tells me they support UBI, they support Medicare for All, they support free college, I go, great, you're not a Democrat. Because Biden doesn't support any of those things. Democratic leadership doesn't support any of those things. He put in Rob Klein, Klein, who's a big farmer insurance lobbyist. He put in Cedric, Cedric Richmond, who's a fossil fuel friendly, fossil fuel friendly. He's a top Democrat recipient of big oil money. He voted for the expansion of gas and oil. That's not anything near the Green New Deal. He put in Heather Zakal as his climate advisor, who is a board member of the gas company Sh- uh, Chen whatever energy. I think it's Chenier. Chenier, you're right. So Biden isn't what the left actually want. He's a corporatist. He's the big government type. Well, this is where the media comes in because they've kind of twisted things so much that we don't really know where anybody stands anymore. Mm. Everything's been so like, you know, if you like Donald Trump at all, then you're racist. But if you like Biden at all, then you're great. And so now everybody's just like stuck in this. But I don't really support Biden, but I want to be great, so I have to support him. Yeah. Which like, is the yeah, same no. for conservative media. Conservative media is the same way. Um, it's just the opposite. I feel like Joe Biden is the equivalent to Giuliani, where they're just both very old. Back in their day, they were good at doing what they wanted back then. But at, the, at this point in time, it's probably... Probably best, yeah, it's probably best to give it to somebody else. If you want Giuliani in the 80s fighting crime, that's where he does it the best. He isn't so hot fighting <laughs> voter fraud in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I don't think Biden, because he really does come from that classic age of politics you know, where you, you had just straight-up lobbyists working like that. Nobody cared to look into it. Nowadays, it's kind of looked into a little bit too much um so he can't really sort of have that kind of you know you scratch my back i scratch mine with companies as much like like for instance trump um the only one that i can say like i know trump 100 percent was in bed with was like big cable because his internet bill thing that he supported yeah and that's about it which is pretty astonishing personally I don't know. It's very hard for me to look back at other presidents and not be able to name more people. And it could just be a matter of it happened recently, but I think as it's more scrutinized year by year, I I think that's kind of impressive to say. Whereas I don't know if Joe Biden's politics even work nowadays. Well, here's another, Mm -hmm. here's another thing that he's doing. Like he, he put in, a Cuban American who will be the first lat- first Latino to lead the Department of um, Homeland Security, right? He put in uh, Janet Yellen, who will be the first woman um, to be the Treasury Treasury Secretary, right? He's putting in these 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 firsts, and this is where 
the idea of um, the woke can be used against you, right? It's like, oh, but he's having diversity. And the headlines are Biden picks this, like the first blank to do blank. Where Yeah, it's like I don't care if it's a girl or if it's a guy or black or white or orange or purple. I- but not, not only that, if they're actually a lobbyist, if they do something shitty, if there's someone who shouldn't be there and you criticize that, they're going to call you racist or sexist for not supporting that pick. But it's like, okay, what if, what if this I – don't, I don't know who this um, Alejandro Mayorkas, whatever his name is for Homeland Security. I don't know if he's a lobbyist. I don't know if he's corrupt or whatever. But if he is, the fact that he put in the first Cuban-American – means you can't call that out without fear of being called racist or sexist. So they're using yeah. the woke culture literally against you. I am going to make a very biased... I know nothing about this guy. All I know is that he's Cuban-American, what you said right now. But him being the director of Homeland Security, I, I would probably put money that he is probably one of the most red-blooded Americans you'd ever find. Because odds are his family at one point fled from Cuba or left Cuba and they saw the front hand of communism. <laughs> exactly. I hope so. And so that that's my assumption with him is that guy is going to be very good at his job because he cares a lot about, about American culture. Yeah. Because he, he's literally sort of like the example of what Americans like should be. You know, and and he did Again, say that. I know nothing about the guy. Could well, be, he totally out of my. He asshole. did send out a tweet to quote: "When I was very young, the United States provided my family and me a place of refuge. Now I have been nominated to the DHS secretary and oversee the protection of all Americans and those who flee persecution in search of a better life for themselves and their loved ones." So, Nash, I think you hit the nail right on the head right there. Yeah, and that's not being racist. That's being culturalist because that's the culture. <laughs> he could. I don't know his race. I know he's from Cuba. So it's it's an interesting transition we have right now. Um, I really don't think Biden represents what Democrats want him to, and it's too late. He's gonna be exactly what he is—a career politician. So, real quick question. And so, do you guys think? Because you know, in 2016, I think it was pretty obvious Trump won because nobody wanted Hillary. Do you think the same thing happened this year? The same thing happened. Okay, the same thing happened because no one wanted Trump. There was a poll that came out, so take it with a big grain of salt. The whole salt, salt sake or salt, um, that <laughs> most salt. most voters voted because they hated Trump, not because they liked Biden. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I, I I think I'm going to agree to that point just because. Kind of what we've been talking about here is you've got a guy that's a Democrat that's kind of aggressively centrist for most of the popular left-wing stuff you hear the most and so it's like if democrats if most democrats are actually like that which i don't think they are are willing to vote for that they probably would have voted for anybody that was a democrat yeah yeah i just think it's pretty trashy because in my opinion at least trump did a great job so there's that but i'll throw that out there just let it hang (laughs) <laughs> it definitely I, hung for a second there. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that because we're short on time. <laughs> oh, we are. Oh, yeah, we've been going we've been going for like almost 45 minutes right now. Okay, so let's get to our second story: unemployment fraud. 
God. Unemployment numbers have spiked in the second week in a row. This was last week, marking at the highest amount of new claims since early October with 778,000 people filing. Over 20, American, 20 million Americans are still collecting some kind of joblessness aid. Experts say this will only get worse as COVID cases continue to rise and states impose more restrictions. However, unlike during the spring shutdowns, struggling Americans and small businesses will likely not have any help from the federal government. Which so, is hilarious because you go on Twitter and you see all these people, all these left people saying, you know, go support your small businesses when it's their policies that are shutting them down. That's what we call, in a general sense. I'm saying that in a general sense. That's what we call the irony podcast. So meanwhile, law enforcement <laughs> officials in California reported that tens of thousands of inmates received upwards of $1 billion with a B in unemployment benefits as part of a scam that officials described as, quote, the most significant fraud on taxpayer funds in California history. So wow, Nash, crazy. Nash, what do you got? Give me your initial thoughts on this. California at it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I really, I, I what's with that state? That that your point. California is like the epitome of of like the failing left. Just I still say we just take a jackhammer, let it float off. It really is just the most utterly hypocritic, ironic state ever. Just because most of the policies <laughs> they enact are things that they are helping perpetuate. And like they are the cause of most of the problems they're fighting against. That's most of government, Nash. Well, yeah, I know. (laughs) That's definitely a fair argument to be made, but I can't think of any place more so where you've got policies being written to combat things that they're doing, but... They're denying the fact that they're doing it the most. <laughs> I think I followed that. Like, it, well, it's just like, for instance, like um, uh, with illegal immigrants, okay? And they have the highest wealth disparity in the country. And it's like, well, where do you think most of the illegal immigrants are? California. California, because mm-hmm. it's very easy to live there because it's right next to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and because if you're an illegal immigrant there, they don't really care. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it baffles the mind. There's so many, they can't count them, literally. But yeah. as the COVID-19 spike continue, and with more state and local governments issuing new restrictions on public gatherings, limiting hours and operations for restaurants and bars, and temporarily closing down some businesses entirely, Economists say the situation will get worse before it gets better. Already, many of the programs that give trillions of dollars to unemployed Americans and small businesses under the CARES Act have expired, and most of the few remaining programs will run out soon. So according to a recent report from the progressive think tank, the Century Foundation, unless Congress and the White House sign off on a deal to extend key programs, roughly 12 million Americans will lose these benefits entirely the day after Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, of course. So, Austin, what do you think should be done about this? <laughs> Ask them. Uh, they should just open up the everything, just leave us alone. But <laughs> they're not going to do that. But what about um, what about I, COVID? I, so oh you, you should so you should just you should just you should just ignore COVID so, and okay, let people take a chance. Here is why. 
here is why everything shut down in the first place. And you can go back. I don't have any quotes written down now because I'm lazy, but there's some out there. I'll have to find them where it says um, uh, politicians are saying we're shutting down the economy to make sure our hospitals have room and all that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know about you, but the hospitals have room. There's plenty of room in those places because they shut down all the other um, Mm -hmm. all other, quote, non-essential surgeries. And the hospital near my house is the same way. I know somebody works there and said they're so slow right now because they just they, they can't take these quote non-essential surgeries and they can't do those. And now they don't have any money and people are getting laid off in hospitals. And so the reason okay. they shut down because they wanted to make sure they had enough, you know, beds and enough food and all that stuff for them. Well, we're at that point now. So open up and let this thing run its course like normal. That it's a disease. It's not, I don't know, it's not like there's uh, North Koreans walking around with guns outside. We're not in that much danger. No, no, because that's a good point. Because if, if you realistically think about it, it's like the places that would be the worst off have the most people, but most places would be fine. You yeah. know, it's like New York City opened, had a full open. Their hospitals, I think, would believably be packed to the brim. You know, they don't, I don't think. Yeah, I, that's the problem with some sort of federal mandate. It just, yeah. you can't. They, a, as big country versus in like 30% of populations in like four cities. Yeah. Whereas if you go from like West Virginia all the way to like Nevada, <laughs> like seven people live there. All the, yeah, exactly. All those places would probably be fine and could definitely handle the influx of patients. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you go to West Virginia, there's a town of like six people there. I think they can handle two people getting sick. Probably. All right, let's get to the inmates, what we're really here to talk about. The whole, sh- <laughs> the whole show's been going to this. So on last Tuesday, a task force led by nine DAs across the state of California reported in a letter to Gavin Newsom that tens of thousands of prison and jail inmates, including more than 100 people on death row, have collected hundreds of millions of dollars in unemployment benefits as part of a scam that I care the biggest yada, 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 yada. So according to the named beneficiaries, Clay, uh, Carrie Stainer, a serial killer who murdered four women near Yosemite National Park in 1999, Wayne Ford, another serial killer who confessed to at least four murders in 97 and 98 in Northern California, Scott Peterson, who was convicted in 2004 for the murder of his pregnant wife, and this other guy who I can't pronounce, who, with his girlfriend, tortured and murdered her eight-year-old son, Gabriel Fernandez, in 2013 in California. So those people— Agore. Those people got unemployment benefits. So, according to the task force, between March and August, inmates housed in every single California prison and in jails uh, throughout the state filed 35,000 claims totaling at least $140 million in benefits through the alleged crimes that could total upwards of a billion dollars. In September, the Beverly Hills police arrested 44 people and seized preloaded debit cards worth more than $2.5 million in unemployment benefits issued by the California Employment Depart- uh, Development Department. Um, in most cases, officials said that the payments were given out in the form of prepaid debit cards sent to the friends or family of the, on the outside, who would then later deposit the proceeds into the inmates' accounts. In other cases, the jobless benefits were sent directly to the jails and the prisons. The prisons! Sometimes the inmates used their real names, but other times they used fake names and fake SS numbers. In fact... Prosecutors were tipped off by the cases by listening to inmates' recorded phone calls where they bragged about how easy it was to game the system. 
Wow. I'm just. Is it mic drop? Yeah, this is the perfect example of why Andrew Yang's thing would be pretty beneficial. Because you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't have a bunch of unaccounted money running out the door. You'd be like, okay, everybody's getting a thousand bucks and that's it. I can we we can list that. We can file that pretty easily in an Excel sheet. Anybody can look that up. But I I this is this is incredible to me. Now it's not only California. Thirty-five other states. Um, oh wait, no. The task force also said that part of the problem is that unlike the other, at least thirty-five other states, California does not have the technology to cross-check inmates' rosters against unemployment claims. In Silicon Valley, they can't. Yeah. So what did Newsom do? <laughs> what? All right, Nash, Nash, Nash. It gets. It, <laughs> Nash, that it was get, the most awkward, like, 10 seconds. It gets better. It gets better, Nash. Newsom. Dude, literally been, like, the tech capital of America. Yeah, the tech capital of the world doesn't have the right tech. What a fucking shock. Fucking California. Gavin Newsom, the governor who was at a party last week. Don't you forget. Yeah, I remember that. For his part, responded in his statement by calling the fraud absolutely unacceptable. Well, duh. And ordering the Office of Emergency Services to create a task force to help prosecutors. Oh, what a great governor. It gets better. So he said, this is what he said. He said he wants the Office of Emergency Services to create a task force to help prosecutors with the investigation. However, the New York Times pointed out that Newsom already formed a quote-unquote strike team a few months ago to help the state's employment department speed up claims and address other issues, including fraud at correctional facilities. (laughs) That matches exactly what Nash just said, that they create a problem and they so he he came out and said he came out and said we're going to build a task force to help fight this. But sir, you already did that. We're building a task force to help the task force. Damn it! <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is going on in California? They're not even helping. They're fighting the task force. They're, oh my oh. gosh! So. The DA was still forced to form another task force with the California Department of Corrections and rehab, rehab, rehab after reports of fraud in the employment department Is continued. That like their own separate? I think so. Yeah, it is. So currently, it is unclear how Newsom's new task force is different from the largely unsuccessful strike so team. There's three. <laughs> hey, hey, there's a task force and a strike team. Yeah, there's two. Now there's two. We're <laughs> all like Star Wars, like out of our mouth. <laughs> They're saying fleet after fleet. Just go at next task force. Go. Send them in. They're really just. Wow. Oh my gosh! You made a task force. They're now? gonna employ every Californian task force. They're just gonna have like a million task forces fighting each other. I see. Here's another thing, too. Just because I brought up illegal immigration now, how much money do you think illegal immigrants are taking in California? That's a story that hasn't been reported. Because if people literally in prison can do it with ease. (laughs) I'm going to assume people that we don't try to keep tabs on are going to be doing it even easier. Well, uh, California's Employment Development Department has been swamped with processing more than 16.4 million unemployment claims since March, resulting in a massive backlog 
of unfulfilled, unfilled claims that, according to reports, have totaled upwards of more than 1.6 million people at times. So, Nash, I, 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 now we don't know this. There's no way to actually know this, but I bet a big part of that backlog would be people like inmates and people like illegal immigrants and just the fact that they're swamped in general because that's happening all over the country. People cannot get through to the um, unemployment office and they can't get the money they desperately need. Now, it is important to note this isn't the only state that have fraud. Massachusetts, Illinois, Kansas, and other states have also had issues like this as well, but California is the biggest one in terms of inmates. Oh, of course, because you're, I assume everybody that's doing it is trying to expedite the process, and anytime yeah. that happens, when it all isn't the same system, of course people are going to abuse it or do it wrong. So you mean when the government hands out free money, there's going to be fraud? No fucking way. <laughs> telling you when the government does anything it'll be fraud yeah see you're not you're not wrong you're not you're not wrong at all they could they could brush their teeth with a, an illegal toothbrush or something with how they so what well, what's well, what's what's, what's the, the solution here i don't know get in a no, i don't know fire the government just put me in charge Get get the assault force ready to back really? up the task force that's backing up the strike team. <laughs> We're not starting another force. <laughs> no, really, it just comes down to the citizens of the United States. They just need to stand up and stop letting this happen because we're just sitting back and letting it happen. We're just watching it. We're not doing anything about it. Yeah, the government needs to make up its mind. It's either you lock everybody down and you give them health care and some cash or you let people make their own choices, take the risk, educate themselves, and open the economy. You cannot wish wash. You got to pick one. I vote option two. Or the other. I would yeah. also lean towards option two because COVID is a very real thing. It's a very real threat to specific people. Yeah. But and I, I, yeah, it hasn't. I don't want to make this sound like it's not a tragedy. Two hundred sixty thousand people in this country are dead because of this thing. At least it's probably more. But it should be way more. And it's not as bad as it was initially thought to be back in March. Well, I Didn't mean, they say also... a million cases or, or a million deaths or something like that could be expected? Two million. Early on. Two to four million, I believe. We did a few stories early on about how they were just lying about the amount of people. Like there was, actual, there was the actual cause. Like if they have COVID, and it's like the World Health Organization, the CDC, nobody really knew what was going on, so it was a lot of guessing. I really do think the best solution, I think I said something like this last, last week, is just like every state needs to figure out the extreme they're willing to do and stick by it. Because I understand places like New York City, they're not going to be able to handle it as well if everything is open. So maybe they do just do an aggressive lockdown and see if that works. Maybe places like Idaho don't lock down anything because they can probably function fine by doing that. But the important thing is we'll see the results. We'll see what works. Everybody's half-assing what they should do, and so we don't actually have any answers. Yeah. Yeah, and my thing comes down to if you're not going prov to provide help, you cannot lock down. If you're going to lock down, you have to provide help. It's that simple to me. 
and that can vary state by state. I, I yeah, the last thing I want is a federal judgment call. And right now they're wishy-washing with no help, which isn't helping anybody anywhere. Yeah. Austin, final thoughts before we wrap up. I, I just hate the government. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with. I'm fucking with you, brother. I'm not gonna. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> They're so bad at literally no, no, everything. No, 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 that's that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies. Everything and- except possibly the military. They ruined. So. Yeah, you're so right. God damn, you're so fucking right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that'll wrap up another episode of the You Mad Dwell Podcast, episode number 67, The Butting Heads. Austin, I had a fucking blast with you this week. We oh, yeah. we butt heads a few times, <laughs> but I'm so glad we did. I'm so glad we find some common ground. I'm very glad you could challenge my opinions and I can challenge yours without us calling each other names. So thank you for that. I greatly appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm just glad I was right in the end. So, <laughs> well, we'll let the, ju- the jury's out on that one, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Austin, thank you very much again, guys. It's seriously political podcast. Join him and his co-host, Austin. Please give your plugs one last time. Where the people can find you. Anything you guys say, the floor is yours. All right. So follow us on social media at S Politic Podcast. That's at S Politic Podcast. That's both for Facebook. Twitter and eventually Parler because of the right wings and that's just the cool thing to do now. Um, we also have a website seriouslypolitical.politics.blog and of course uh, our bread and butter is the podcast so look up Seriously Political on any and all podcasting platforms and follow us and if you want to you can send us money too. Awesome. Hi Austin. Thank you very much. Nash, one day we're going to talk about Parler on this I, well, it'll, it's coming. The Parler podcast is coming uh, when we talk about it. But until then, Nash, uh, what is your favorite social media alternative? To what? Like, to anything. I don't know. What's your favorite social media platform? What's my favorite social media platform? Uh, I really don't like any of them. If you say Google+, Plus, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to... Honestly, uh, probably Google Hangouts, because nobody's on it. Oh nobody does anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we'll be back next week. So, Nash, you're the other guy who uses Google Hangouts. There's like two of us. Yeah, it's it's us. It's literally us to record these guests. We'll be back next week as long as you stay angry.